Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. For the second half of today's doubleheader, we go back to Pennsylvania, this time the west side, and take a look at a team named after an up-and-coming profession in today's America, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steel's making a comeback, Dan. <laughs> Jeff, hit it. How you feeling for the second half of this doubleheader? You know, our our music laureate, Jeff, gets me pumped up every single time without fail. It's really great, the intro music. I'm very excited to conclude this doubleheader. And Joe, after we finish this episode, we will be done with 20 out of the 32 teams. 20. Uh, Dan, I'm getting a little depressed. <laughs> it's almost Let's over, drag this Joe. out. Let's drag this out longer, no, Dan. No, no. Uh, let's just get right through. What are we drinking, Joe? Dan, we are drinking a drink specifically created for the Steelers called a Steel Helmet. Wow. It is a white Russian. That's it. It's just a white Russian. No, it's a white Russian <laughs> with Sounds a delicious. I was called, called Galliano. Ooh. Floated over the top. I don't know if you can, you can't really see it, but it is a regular white Russian, but with a yellow helmet on top. Oh. So the dark color of the white Russian, the which I made a little bit darker with, you know, using less milk, and then uh, the Galliano on top. And Dan, have you ever had Galliano before? I have not. So I had never had it either. I want to show you the ridiculous size of this bottle that I had to buy. Hold on, I'm going to move back a little bit. <laughs> For those I mean, uh, who aren't watching the live video feed of this, he showed me a bottle that looks to be about three feet tall and like two inches wide. Man, it's the same amount. It's it's 750 milliliters. It's just a long, it's like skinny and triangle shape. I mean, Dan, you know my wife, your sister, and the things that upset her. This bottle that literally will not fit in any of our cabinets and that will take me seven years to drink because i drink nothing with galliano in it is going to it, it might end my marriage where it literally was that, might end my marriage where was that even in the supermarket <laughs> no i had to go to like a specialty liquor store for it but i mean that, did they have specialty shelves just for that it was in like the spirits and liqueurs section and there's no like it's also was not cheap because there's no like off-brand galliano like galliano is like a, a brand of, of drink there's no like oh like the there's no like um you know, cheap handle of Galliano you can get at the liquor store. It's like this this one expensive bottle. But what I'm saying, Joe, is I've had specialty liquors before, but they're normally not misshapen. You know, like if you're getting checked baggage and you like check your golf bag, you have to go to the separate cargo area for like misshapen luggage, like golf bags yes. and skis. Yes. I'm saying, is there like a section in the liquor store? It's like specialty and misshapen liquor. Oh, so you're concerned from like a shelving standpoint. Yeah, I mean, no, I understand uh, if it's on the top shelf, like it's just going to dominate. You're just going to see that like poking two feet above everything else. Yeah, I did not take note of how it was shelved, but you're right. Um, I mean, 
they're probably very limited in the space that they can put this in because it would not fit on a normal shelf. No. No, absolutely not. But maybe that's their trick because actually, now that I think about it, it was on the top shelf because the top shelf doesn't have a shelf above it so you can meet the height requirements. So maybe this is their way to make sure that they're always at eye level to people. Yeah. I like it. It's great marketing. And look, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you've bought a bottle. You, I mean, that bottle is certainly within next year. My sister's going to rage pour it out and recycle it. It's not even going to fit in your recycle bin. So, Dan, just promise me next time you're up here, you will try Galliano with Absolutely. me. So we can get rid of this bottle. Joe, um, you know, what? whatever you pour me, I will drink. That is usually true. All right. Wow. We got the drink out of the way. That's interesting. That's crazy. Not recommended at home. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. Don't get that Galliano. But we go straight into the fan mail section. Joe. You've told in a complete shocking twist, we've been, it's been one hour since our last episode was recorded and you don't even get the fan mail sent to you, but you have said you've got a fan mail sent to you. What do you got? Dan, are you ready to step into uh, our weekly segment of Packer Corner? <laughs> Come with me. I would Join I would me love in Packer to. Corner. This brings you know, all Jeff the really needs to Joe. write us a uh, little Packer Corner theme song. Well, we really need, right. we need to get a sponsor for Packer Corner. This is where all our okay. listeners tune in. So Packer Corner is brought to you by Milwaukee's Best Beer. Um, no, okay, so <laughs> enter promo code Packer Corner for a no, free 32-pack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> promo code okay. Joe. Okay, so Rob writes in. Well, first of all, he texts in, and this is, you know, Rob's a dick. He says, and put this in the VIP mailbag. That's not how the mailbag works, Rob. How are, you're typing something on your phone. Put it in an email. Whatever. He takes a shot at you, Dan, which is maybe why he sent it to me. One. This is numbered. One. He numbered it, but there's only two things. One. I'm so tired of Dan misinterpreting the most basic things about my comments. I was obviously comparing Minnesota-St. Paul to Chicago, not Green Bay, when I said it wasn't as cool of a city to fall back on. I've been there several times, jackass. Wow. Did he's you remember the comment one? he's talking Chicago about? Chicago or Minnesota? <laughs> well, Dan, here you go again. Misinterpreting the most basic thing that he said. So what he said in his email, if I recall, was, and Dan, I know you're, you're hastily checking the transcripts right now. He said something to the effect of Minnesota's fans have that same like upper Midwest charm but without a cool city to fall back on why why would we think he's talking about chicago he's a packer fan every other piece of his email was comparing minnesota to green bay why would why is that logical why is that obvious i don't even want to like convolute my brain to understand what he's possibly saying chicago is the third biggest city in the united states like to, to even compare chicago to green bay or minneapolis is like offensive to chicago Chicago is a real city. These other cities are like, they have football franchises, and I applaud them for that. Again, I, I can't even understand. I can't even put my mind in his mind space and understand what the hell he's talking about. It might Dan, be because we're in the second half of the doubleheader, Joe. Just stop misinterpreting what Rob says. Number two. Now we're, now we're in Packer Corner. So far, the Green Bay fans that supposedly, quote, accept all fans have criticized me as not being a legit fan for rooting for the Seahawks. 
I've lived in Seattle for 17 years now, long before they cheated and lucked the Packers out of a couple wins. My wife is a lifelong fan, and it's ground for divorce if I don't agree to be a Seahawks fan. None of that takes away from my lifelong devotion to the Packers. I played football every day at recess and repped the 412 Packers, whose quarterback name was Lynn Dickey. Think about that. In grade school, Lynn Dickey. If that's all forgotten, because my adopted home team is my second favorite team, go fuck yourself. The Seahawks weren't even in the NFC when I moved here and started rooting for them, for fuck's sake. Now, Joe, for for fear of misinterpreting here, <laughs> I feel like it's been interpreted properly, but he's one data point, and he, he makes a very compelling case. He's lived in a city for a long time. It seems all but natural to root for it, but... I've lived in San Francisco for 10 years. I fucking hate the 49ers. And in fact, in the big 49ers Seahawks rivalry, I was squarely on the side of the Seahawks. The 49ers wouldn't even be in my top half of teams I root for in the NFL. Now you, I've, you've lived, I've in, lived Seattle. in Seattle now for a decade, for a decade next month. And I'm still not, I mean, they've made it on, but, but they, they're going through the same process as everyone else. <laughs> I mean, I know they're going through the same process, but... We're not talking about this year. This is obviously a special reset year. Last year, would you say the Seahawks were in the top five teams you rooted for? Yeah. Yes, I guess so. Yes, for sure. However, the Seahawks never interacted with the Chargers. Yeah, but this is also unfair because the Seahawks are a pretty fun team to root for. Like, that's why I'm saying I like the Seahawks a lot. The Seahawks are fun. You, I mean, Pete Carroll, I love Pete Carroll. He's awesome. Your team is flamboyant and fun. Totally. Well, and like I also like, but I root for them very academically. Like Rob, okay, so here's the thing. Rob like owns Seahawk jerseys. He wears Seahawk swag. He yeah. goes to bars to watch games. My rooting for the Seahawks was always more like, well, I live in this city. I want people who I like very much to be happy because I'm a nice yeah. person. Yeah. But like I... I don't own a Seahawks jersey. I don't own a Seahawks baseball cap. I mean, I would never wear a baseball cap. Yeah. But like, but like, I rooted for them more than I rooted against them. I would never have described them as my second favorite team or myself I feel as like, a fan. Based on what you're saying, you're rooting for them, and I understand this. You're rooting for them like like culturally because you like the city you live in. And look, we we did the the Seahawks before, and and you know they're moving on to the next round. And I think a lot of right. this is because of that. You like the place you live. Right. And I have many, many friends who I like to see happy who live and live or die by the Seahawks. But I think if you lived in a place where you didn't like it, like I find the 49ers to be even over the last 10 years, they haven't been a team that I've I've really been able to get behind. I love the Golden State Warriors, though. And like when the when the Warriors win and people in the Bay Area are happy, I'm happy. But when the 49ers win, it's just like, you know, I was very happily rooting against them in that Super Bowl. But I can I can honestly say though, if the Seahawks had bounced the Chargers from the playoffs, I would hate the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. And like, by the way, I I I did hate them for that reason because they bounced my. Uh, I also like Joe House calls them the Deadskins. I actually kind of like that name too. <laughs> they bounced my Washington Football Club, but it was like that was sort of in the in the past and. You know, by Washington Football Club, it's like they didn't deserve to win. I I felt like like your Chargers when they lost, like when they were in that fourteen and two season, they deserved to win and they lost. Like the Deadskins has never right. deserved to win. But here's the thing: in in defense of our fans who are real Packer fans, who Rob is you know yelling at in his 
email text. They're 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 commenting on both things. So Rob is upset because he's saying, if I if I can correctly interpret Rob, what he's saying is they're piling on Rob for not being welcoming enough to me as a new fan. And yet they're piling on him for having yeah. the Seahawks as, as a second favorite team, which, which that is a fair point because if his point is like, look, if you're saying we should accept all Packer fans, you need to accept me for how I root for the Packers. But what I think people are reacting to is the combination that Rob is both high and mighty about his Packer fandom, but then also like plays around by getting cozy with teams who should be the Packers' natural enemies. So I think that's a fair point on their part, is that like you can't have it both ways. You can't be a purist and say that my fandom would somehow be illegitimate while still being very like progressive in how you define your own fandom. I'm just going to have my own interpretation, which is <laughs> people are going to pick whatever teams they want to root for and then come up with whatever convoluted ways to defend it. And you know what? Teach his or her own. That's what I say. You know what? I apologize, Rob, for any slight I had on you. I should, every time he says an argument now, I'll try to look at it in the most positive light. And uh, are we done with uh, Packer Corner, sponsored by Milwaukee's Best? We are. Moving on from Packer Corner. All right. Jingle so to remember, come from go to the Jeff. liquor store, mention Joe at the checkout. You'll get... 10% off. Any liquor or grocery store, they should do it. I, I, yeah. I think all the major chains have been been alerted to the promo. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. And now we obviously don't have a poll and we don't have any more fan mail, but but special new segment, which Uh-oh. is Dan talks about something. Now, I noticed, Joe, <laughs> that a lot of people listening right now are friends of mine or friends of yours who I probably haven't talked to. And the, the most recent time they're hearing my voice is through listening to this podcast. Correct. So I recently have watched a television series on HBO called The Leftovers. I watched the entire thing from start to Ugh. finish. Are you going to talk about this Leftovers show? Come on. I talked it from start to finish. It's 28 episodes. It is done. The series is over. If you haven't heard of it or seen it, you've picked the perfect time. It ended like a few weeks ago. It's 28 hour-long episodes, three seasons. I highly, highly recommend it. Now, for Dan, let me let me let me tell you why why I'll never watch this show. Let right, me tell, tell you me. why I will literally like I would rather watch like a marathon of however many seasons, which I'm sure is like dozens of seasons of that stupid show say yes to the dress that your parents like i would rather watch 12 seasons of that than one say episode yes of the leftovers the dress? what is that it's about people picking out a wedding dress and your dad and mom think it's like the best show in the world it's the weirdest what thing is wrong with them yeah picking a wedding think, dress yeah they sit there literally at the staring at the tv interacting with these people picking out a wedding dress well, I've also seen them sit at the TV switching back and forth between Fox News and CNN for like hours during the day. Yeah, so, so it's, it's pretty low bar. Damaging to his brain to watch say yes. Anyway, the point is about the leftovers is like there is enough depressing things happening in the real fucking world. And Dan, I will tell you, I have children. So the idea of watching a show about people whose like children died or disappeared or whatever, like 
it is going to bum me out, and I don't want to be bummed out any more than I already am in my life. Okay, now it looks very depressing. I don't think the show's depressing. In fact, no, I don't. Again, say, you don't have children. Don't think you'll never understand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what? For all these non-Joe people out there, just take it from me. It's 28 episodes, and from great TV people, one of the greatest parts about The Leftovers is that the show is over, and it ended well. So the last episode is widely, critics have said, it's a great end to the, ep- great end to the series. It's, one, it's like they set something up, and it is a weird show. It goes off in a lot of diff- different directions early on, but it closes strong. It's only 28 episodes. It's on HBO. You can binge them all. Highly, highly, Dan recommended. You should watch it. And Just to be the, clear, Joe is recommending that no one watch it. <laughs> the first five episodes are a little rough. Once you get through that, the second season is amazing, and the third season brings it home for the landing. It's unbelievable. Now, I also want to note to Joe's, you know criticism about whatever it's not a depressing show but it is a bit of an intellectual show so for those of you out there who like aren't the brightest people definitely oh, so it's intellectual it. if we don't like it it's because we don't understand it it's not because it's a stupid show that's trying to depress you well it's not trying to depress you but yes if you don't like it it's because you didn't understand it so yes <laughs> all right i'm gonna watch another episode of say yes to the dress and cupcake wars Joe, when I told you about Westworld, you binge them all in one week. The Leftovers yeah. is a better show than Westworld because it's done. The show is done. Must it's you must watch it if you are listening and you like me. You'll and you will not regret it. I like you. I'm listening to this right now. I will never watch that show. Yeah, I know Joe, I don't care about you. But you would you would absolutely love it, too, I know, when you got to the end. It's not depressing. It's a, it's a very interesting show. It's a very thoughtful show. Moving on to actually talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tony, superfan Tony's got the draft analysis. Let's hear it, Tony. Pam says, Tony's fiance, I shouldn't do the Steelers analysis out of principle. Of course, Tony, Bengals fan, huge rival of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But for the pod, he'll do it. He said the Steelers drafted a bunch of Steelers kinds of players. In round one, they drafted TJ Watt, JJ Watt's brother. Same kind of motor. It's a good motor. In the second round, they took Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC. Very nice. Great name. Great Pittsburgh, name. Pittsburgh, known for developing wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster. Great wide receiver at USC. He's a possession guy, makes tough catches, you know, moves the sticks. And, you know, with their history, it's almost certainly going to be great. And, I mean, come on. If you're a wide receiver, you want to be the second wide receiver to Antonio Brown. You, It's a good place to be. And he said in the fourth round, they drafted a running back, James Conner, who is one of the feel-good stories of the draft. He beat cancer. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. Now, Tony adds, he sent in a follow-up email six minutes later. <laughs> I'm actually driving through Pittsburgh right now. It's as shitty as ever. They say the reason there are so many Steelers fans around the country is because Pittsburgh lost so many steel jobs, so people had to relocate. But the football team just happened to be so great around that time, too, so they kept and gained a national following. So tell Joe he'll have to talk to Steelers fans literally everywhere he goes. Ugh. Tony knows the way to my heart. I hate talking to people. 
Yeah, we will get into that later, but the Steelers definitely have a, a quite the national following, which, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's something you like or you don't like. All right, Joe, we've wasted a bunch of time on a lot of crap, but let's get into the Steelers. Number one, you don't want a team that's too good or too bad. Their Super Bowl odds are 11 to 1, which puts them fourth best in the entire NFL. They are behind the Pats, the Packers, and the Seahawks. They've won six Super Bowls. The 1974, 1975, 78, and 79 Super Bowls, which we all remember very vividly. And then, of course, 2005 and 2008. I think 2005, they beat the Seahawks in that the like most rigged Super Bowl of all time. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, they beat the Cardinals also. Not in a rigged Super Bowl, but a very close Super Bowl that... Um, you know, went down to the wire. Their over-under on wins is 10.5. In the past 10 years, Joe, win percentage, top third, middle third, bottom third. Top third. Playoff wins. Top third. Made the playoffs. Top third. Joe, wow. In this doubleheader, six for six. That's incredible. Oh, my God. But, Joe, much like before, it's too easy. So let's play the same game as before. Win percentage, 1 through 11, where are they in the NFL? You were horribly off for the Colts. The Colts were 4th, you guessed 10th. The Steelers are what? Okay. 6th. You are wrong again, Joe. You're terrible at this. The Steelers are 3rd. The Steelers are 3rd. So we, in this series, in this today's doubleheader, have done the third and fourth most winning teams over the last 10 years. And you know what, Joe? After we do this, we have now done the top seven most winning teams in Rough. the NFL over the past 10 years. Number one. It just makes Patriots. me nervous that we're only going to have the dregs left, Dan. We are. We've actually done nine out of the top ten now. We've closed this up. Number one, Patriots. Number two, Packers. Number three, Steelers. Number four, Colts. Number five, Broncos. Number six, Cowboys. Number seven, Saints. Number eight, the only team we haven't done yet, the Ravens. Number nine, Seahawks. Number ten, Falcons. And for good measure, we've done 11, Giants. We've done 12, Cardinals. We've done 13, Bengals. We've done 14, Eagles. We've done 15, Chargers. So we've now done... 14 out of the 15 most winning teams in the past 10 years and we've got 12 teams left i mean i don't even know when we get to the end of this episode and we pick our two next teams i don't even know if i'm rooting for them to be good teams or not if they're good that means that it's going to even make the last 10 that much worse yeah it's going to be bad dan let me ask you this question steelers obviously aren't too bad but here's my concern the Steelers are the only team I can think of. Well, I mean, okay, other than like the Patriots and that's it, the Patriots. That anytime your team is matched up with the Steelers in the playoffs, you are upset about that. And, and I say that as the Chargers who have been matched up with the Steelers before. So it's like, or or had the potential to the, you know, do that. So so like in the in the week sixteen and seventeen when you're gaming out, like if we win or lose. That even when the Steelers come into the playoffs as a wild card or as a lower seed, that you're like no one wants to be playing the Steelers. Are the Steelers too good? Well, I, one thing to note is that the Steelers and the Washington Football Club actually 
played in week one. So it's interesting because, of course, they're an AFC team and we normally wouldn't play them. But I was traveling at the time to Italy and I was perfectly timed in a layover in Toronto as the game was on. And it was like a Monday night football game. I get to the bar in Toronto, all the TVs are on, and the Steelers absolutely destroyed us. Like, I know the Steelers, you don't want to play yeah. in the playoffs because they have the playoff, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they've been there before they've done it. They're just so good. I mean, you, I'm just watching my Washington football club. How the hell are you going to stop Le'Veon Bell? Actually, Le'Veon Bell wasn't even playing. It, it was uh, the other guy, the backup guy, who I also had on the fantasy team. Ben Roethlisberger, D'Angelo Williams, Antonio Brown, and they crushed us. I, the thirty-eight to sixteen just absolutely throttled us. And it's just like, who? Why would anybody ever want to play this team? So it's actually a little bit of the Packer syndrome, where it's like, because I agree that 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 the Steelers are actually better than their number of Super Bowl wins in the last decade would. That had they been playing in an era that was Patriotless. They yeah. may have been the dominant team of the decade. Yeah, I mean they're the third best winning percentage, right? So maybe that makes them a little too good, but still with some excitement left to be wrung out of them. That like if the Steelers won, they would actually like that would be cause for huge celebration. So I'm going to rate them a six out of ten. They're just a little too good for me. Yeah, they're too good, but. They're too good, but they're not so good. They're not so good. And as we'll see when we get to number two, what do you think about this division? So we've been to this division two times before. We've been here for the Bengals, which you gave an eight and a half. We've been here for the Browns, who you gave a seven. So we've got two high scores for that. And now, in addition to all the history we talked about in those two episodes, which we're not going to get into, we also have the over-unders and the winning percentages chances so Steelers over under 10 and a half as we said Ravens over under nine Bengals over under eight and a half and then the Browns of course at four and a half that are you know (laughs) in the basement but get this Steelers 52 percent odds to win the division according to Vegas Ravens 25 percent Bengals 23 percent and then the Browns soaking up the last two and a half percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a division where it's not like the past division where it was a three-way tie at the top, but it's certainly a division where if you're a Steelers fan, it's competitive enough. Yeah, it's just it's just a fifty-fifty shot. And if you're a Ravens or a Bengals fan, you know you're you're right in there. You've you've got a shot as well. And what did I rate this before with the Bengals? With the Bengals, you gave it eight and a half. With the Browns, you gave it a seven. And you gave it an eight and a half for the Bengals for the rivalries. For the competitiveness, you gave it a low score for the Browns, if memory serves me correctly, just because the Browns fucking suck. And yeah, no, you don't want to be just going to lose. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I mean, I I think that it is equally true. I think that the eight and a half holds for the Steelers. I think that that they are the team that is everyone's rival. I mean, I think the only thing that makes it a little bit worse for the Steelers and for the Bengals is that the Steelers. I get the impression that everyone hates the Steelers. I don't know if the Steelers hate everyone, right? That like that I guess do Steelers fans have as much ire against the Bengals as Bengals fans have as have against the Steelers, and I doubt they do, but I still think it's an eight and a half because they're sitting on top a great division. So let's go with yeah. that. Yeah. 
I think the Steelers probably eight and a half record. I think the Steelers probably have more ire for the Ravens actually, but I, it's mm-hmm. those are brutal rivalries. I mean, which is great, absolutely. Yeah, those are but those are always good games. When you're at the heights that the Steelers have been in the past, they probably equally share that ire for the Patriots and for the Colts. Yeah, and, you know yeah. that they that that you know you get to a certain level, and I mean we talked about this with the Patriots that the Patriots rivals actually isn't really in their division. It's the Colts or the Broncos or whatever team Peyton Manning was playing for at the time. And now maybe they don't have that as much. But like when you get to that level where your real battles are in the playoffs, your rival isn't always even in your own division. Yeah, yeah. Well, the people that are more uh, familiar with the division, I'm sure, can can chime in on how close these rivalries are. But I feel that – in the division, they've been pretty close, but you know, maybe no, I'm totally wrong. Agree. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't do the research, Joe, but I did do the research for number three. Does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of confidence? So, in the first half of this doubleheader, we saw Chuck Pagano, who out of 26 returning head coaches was ranked number 26. But now we go to Mike Tomlin, who out of these 26 returning coaches is ranked number four. Wow. Now, we've seen number one, Bill Belichick. We've seen number two, Pete Carroll. Number three is a mystery for a future episode, which we haven't hit yet. But we go to number four, Mike Tomlin. Has there ever been a more unassuming great head coach? Hired at age 35, Mike Tomlin had never coordinated his own offense or defense. He ceded the spotlight to many stars and the fawning newspaper features to his name brand coordinators. All the while, he's won. Tomlin has never had a losing season in 10 years on the job and is already the 39th winningest head coach in NFL history. He moved ahead of Vince Lombardi last year and tied himself with John Madden at the end of last season. Tomlin is a self-proclaimed working stiff. Perhaps that means he'll never get his just due. But if there's one person who's not worried about it, it's Mike Tomlin. He's already on to the next one. So, much like last time they made fun of Chuck Pagano for his cliches, they use those same cliches <laughs> to talk about a guy who, you know, look. Just chopping wood every day. <laughs> there's just nothing more to say about Mike Tomlin. He, he, his press conferences all sound like that, but his teams fucking win year in, year out. And after he's done it for 10 seasons, what can you say? Yeah, what else can you say about it? I mean, look, I mean, the thing about Mike Tomlin, I was thinking about this going into the, uh, this episode because he's I mean one of well I mean you know me one of a few like NFL coaches that I actually could have named prior to yeah. doing this podcast other than, than the Chargers but I was thinking I hope Dan doesn't say a bunch of like really terrible things about Mike Tomlin because my gut is that I just really like Mike Tomlin that you know sort of the test that we've used before of like if you could trade who your team's coach is for blank would you do it and I think for Mike Tomlin, for probably 27 other teams, at least, that is true. Yeah. What's that? I think they said it best. And he is the type of guy that doesn't necessarily get the accolades. And, you know, whatever. I don't even know who the coordinators yeah. are. But, proofs. Yeah. It, it, you know, if he's like Marvin Lewis, where he just seats to his coordinators, his coordinators are fucking good. Fuck, that's awesome. Like, that's what yeah. I want a head coach to do. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, I would be super happy. And, you know, this category is about competence. He definitely meets that 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Boom. 
Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? Okay, well. Can we just say call this a zero and move on? We don't need to get into it. But yes. We don't need to get into it. Like, it's obvious that, like, probably the worst thing about this team is rooting for a quarterback with, like, the terrible accusations that have been leveled against uh, Ben Roethlisberger, which, like, it like it is it it makes me question whether like we could just like leave this team off because as much as I love the other things about the team, it would be shitty. So there yeah. you go. Well, I love it. It saves time. We don't have to get into it, but uh, yeah, there you go. Zero out of ten. Zero to ten. All right, number five. Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. And I'll also note for those people listening for the first time who are Steelers fans. That's the first time we've ever skipped a whole category, and it's probably better that we don't talk about the research I have, but I'll support the 0 out of 10, though I will at least defend their middle of the pack for crimes in both the last five years and the entire history of the crime blotter, but to your point, when it comes to the star shining the brightest and having to root for right. that person, the, right. you know, it is, it is what it is. All right, number five, can't root for a team that Rob roots for. So, once again, Rob with his just veering wild... Well, okay, no, I don't want to misinterpret Rob. Okay. So, Rob ranks the Steelers as his seventh least favorite team. So, they're his 25th team, so he does not like the Steelers. But then when I ask him to, to elaborate, he says, the NFL is a better league when the Steelers are good and everyone can root against them. So I guess he's just saying that they're a team that like he hates, but he loves to hate them. Yeah, if I could interpret I mean, not, that. A little honestly, bit. I'm I feel that way about the Patriots. I like it's I enjoy when the Patriots lose because you know at least I feel something. You know, I want the Patriots yeah, no, to make the playoffs no, 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 so that. somebody can beat them. Yeah, you want the Yankees to win the World Series every now and again, so then every other year when they come close, but you beat them, it like matters. Yeah, yeah. Except for now, I'm like into the Yankees because they're such an underdog, Joe. They haven't won in long enough. I know. No, no. I mean, baseball needs the Yankees to be good. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay. So Rob doesn't like the Steelers, but he loves to not like them. So that's a tough one. Let's give it a... Well, okay. He roots against them. So if I rooted for them, there'd be a lot of good shit talking. So 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Wow. <laughs> coming back from that zero with a bunch of strong scores look i i i just call like i'm just calling balls and strikes dan i know he's doing a great <laughs> totally job. fair the pitch track is, is gonna have 100 <laughs> percent accuracy for you number six is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game so coming hot off indianapolis which had a bunch of sports things in the top but not number one in pittsburgh the sports park pnc park their baseball park is number one so there you go i mean it's probably a very nice park the pirates are not a very good team but yeah the pirates i feel like a kinship with the pirates because the pirates and the padres are like the two teams that if there were relegation in major league baseball we would be in like the fourth division right now (laughs) we would be single a teams now, the poor Pirates, I mean, they had Barry Bonds, McCutcheon now sucks. Yeah, poor Pirates. But it, they are good, uh, you know, fodder for the uh, the Nationals to crush. Anyways, number two, the 
Phipps Conservatory, which is the their botanical gardens. Number three, Mount Washington, which is the highest peak in the northern United States at 6,288 feet on the most prominent mountain east of the Mississippi River. Wow, that's exciting. Number four, the Carnegie Museum of Natural History. Number five, Bicycle Heaven. Wow. Yeah, I know you, you've cycled from uh, Seattle to Portland, the world's largest bicycle museum and shop, as seen as the as seen in the New York Times. And number six, closing us out in our top six, Heinz Field, where the Steelers play. So, you know, n- Tony Tony's review of driving through Pittsburgh is uh, perhaps not glowing, but you know, maybe something to see here. You got your botanical gardens. Yeah, yeah. Tallest mountain on the East Coast. You can't take that away from it. You know, that's just a natural, uh, natural yeah. monument. And I, and I love cycling. So that, that yeah. seems great. I mean, bicycle heaven. Not, yeah. I mean, not, not often to have the city with the highest mountain and cycling. Like those two things yeah. don't normally go hand in hand. But, um, I mean, I would say, you know, I've never been to Pittsburgh before. I don't have any plans to go to Pittsburgh, but it's like on the list of cities that I would be generally interested in going to seems like if I were to go there because I was a fan of the team or if I were to have to go there for work or be nearby, like I would be interested enough and like, Oh yeah, great. I'm going to Pittsburgh. Um, so I am going, I'm going to say, what did I put um, Houston on this? Houston, you gave a seven out of ten. Wow! But you were huh. really into Houston. They, That's I mean, they had mission yeah. control. You know, Houston, we have a problem. They got a yeah. lot. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I mean, the space thing kind of sold me on Houston. Yeah. Where did I put? Uh, where did I put Cincinnati? Well, Cincinnati, Tony was there, but <laughs> yeah, we gave that a six and a half, which was probably a little bit generous because Tony was right there. I mean. I'm, what am I going to say? He lives there. Um, <laughs> I'd never visit that crap hole. <laughs> anybody who lives there is a total. Okay, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's just give it a solid six out of ten. All right, six out of ten. Number seven. Does the team have player or players you could put on your fantasy roster? Hmm. Well. <laughs> okay. I'm just. I'm just going to start at the end. Can we because just, I mean, there's another category we can skip. I mean, okay, no, go no, ahead. No, 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 I just no. want to say it because okay. we've got Antonio Brown, who was the number one fantasy wide receiver, although it does but depend Dan, but Dan, on I, your I mean, scoring. I mean, that system. aside, Dan, tell tell our loyal fans about my personal love affair with Antonio Brown. Well, I'm just going to get into it. So Antonio Brown, to first best wide receiver, 106 receptions, which was number two in the NFL, one behind the great ageless Larry Fitzgerald, who was at 107, so just one reception behind, 1,284 yards, 12 touchdowns, so 12 touchdowns was number two in touchdowns. I think yardage was number three in yardage. So basically, this man, he catches the ball more than anybody else. And then he combines that with getting lots of touchdowns and lots of yards. And that's why he was number one. And in your league, he went for a scant $71 to you, Joe, 
who every year when Antonio Brown comes in the auction block, you consider it a successful auction if you get Antonio Brown and you are willing to pay any no matter the cost to get him. No matter the cost. So last year, the first person in the draft was Gronk. I believe you <laughs> bought him. I might be getting drafts confused, but whatever. I know you yeah, came away. Yeah, I didn't away. have Antonio Brown in the same draft as Gronk, but yeah. yeah. But in your league, you had Antonio Brown, $71, most expensive player in the draft, but you got you got number one wide receiver quality out of it. And frankly, I mean, the year before, so I had had Antonio Brown for like four years straight, and then the year prior, I didn't get him. I like it. It, it just went too high. I got out bad. No, the year prior, I got him. Yeah, I, I, I said yes. I like the Antonio Brown strategy. He's going to anchor my team. I know I'm getting 20 points a week, and then he he missed like six games. He was injured, but I regretted it because <laughs> even if it was the right decision for me to not outbid you, my team didn't feel like my team without Antonio Brown on it. Yeah, it's a, it was it was a very it was a very weak move on you. You know, you you just got to go in and just bid any price, whatever. Let me tell you why I love Antonio Brown so much. I love that Antonio Brown will have like a shitty game and yet he still catches like 10 shitty four yard passes from Ben Roethlisberger. Like in a PPR league, he's just a machine for these tiny passes, even in a bad game. Well, that's why he's he's a number one fantasy receiver because... If you look at the stats, it's like he is second in number of receptions. But if you look at the, the the person who's first in receptions, so he had 106. Larry Fitzgerald had 107. Larry Fitzgerald, for having 107, had 250 less yards than him and had half as many touchdowns. So Antonio Brown is not only getting you the touchdown production, but he's also getting you the it, – it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just being fed like – five free receptions every game and then add to that all the other ridiculous stuff he gets. No, I love it. I love it. I mean, I if if I were to pick the Steelers, I would be, bid 71, 75, $200, whatever it took to have Antonio Brown and I would be happy. Your whole team would be Antonio Brown and people you could just pick up for $0. Yes. Actually, it doesn't even let you do that. You have to like re- leave $1 right. for all your remaining so I would, parts. I would bid... A hundred and eighty-six dollars, and then have fourteen one-dollar players on the rest of my team. And speaking of one-dollar players, that would not be Le'Veon Bell, who was the third-best fantasy running back, and he missed four games of the season. He missed the first three games due to being suspended, and he didn't play in Week Seventeen. So he's the third-best fantasy running back through for only playing twelve games. Yeah, twelve hundred sixty yards, seven TDs. Oh, but add to that, as a running back, 75 receptions, 616 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. If you have him in a PPR league, as by the way, I did in the debate league, which I won, it's just he is putting up insane numbers. He sat week 17. Doesn't matter. Playoffs are over. Unbelievable player. Ben Roethlisberger, the person we did not talk about in the crime section, was actually... Uh, pretty mediocre. He was only the 15th best fantasy quarterback. He's been better than that. But um, he, he in, in the draft, in your draft, he actually went for $24. So very, uh, very little value there. I mean, that was um, 
that was kind of uh, I would say wasted wasted money. You, you could probably do better than that either on waivers or you know picking somebody up for like five dollars at the end. So Ben Roethlisberger is a bit of a tease. Le'Veon Bell worth every dollar of the fifty four dollars somebody spent for him in your league, and Antonio Brown, you know he's priceless, Joe. If you're willing to pay $186 for him, the fact that you got him for 71 what a deal. Not to deal mention the that, you could own, that you could own the Steelers' defense and be pretty happy with that. Yeah, the Steelers' defense was okay, but it wasn't in the top 10. But, you know, it was okay. I think it's in, the, it's in the range of defenses that's definitely owned by somebody because it, you know, it's a week-to-week play. Yep. Look. The Steelers may not have the deepest bench in terms of fantasy players. They also may be a little bit overpriced and not great value because these are players that everyone wants. But this is essentially why this category was created. <laughs> For your, To give Antonio Brown a 10 regardless of anything else. So the answer is 10 out of 10. All right. Now... So it's already gotten the top score, but I'll note for our, our people out there in their fantasy pools getting football advice from us, players to watch next year, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, you never know. The The thing is, uh, Pittsburgh did not have, you know, Sammy Coates was expected to be good this year. I know I drafted him in one of the league. He was not. But, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, you put slot somebody as a number two wide receiver to Antonio Brown a rookie that he, he's a potential sleeper you know he might not even be a sleeper i mean by the time draft comes around he might be like people are paying serious money for him but somebody to what somebody to look for number eight is the owner a monster so joe this is the first time we've had to do this but we need to have a brief moment of silence for dan rooney who passed away couple months ago he passed away on april 13th of 2017 at the ripe old age of i can't do the math but something really he he lived a long full life he was born in 1932 so give him a moment of silence all right how long was that is that enough okay that was a moment that was a moment okay all right dan rooney so we're gonna talk a lot about Dan Rooney and his accomplishments, but the team is not owned by Dan Rooney anymore. The team is owned by what's called the Rooney family, but I think it's owned mostly by Art Rooney II. But we're just going to talk about Dan Rooney a little bit because he's so historic. First, and this is like NFL royalty. NFL royalty. So I'll, I'll start with this from thecomeback.com. It's hard to encapsulate the Rooney's lasting legacy in a few paragraphs, but let's try it. It's impossible not to love a family who got rich at the horse tracks, bought a football team, and became the classiest organization in the business. This old school group of horsemen and statesmen aren't just the league's most loyal, patient fan base. They also led the charge for hiring equity and diversity in the NFL. Yes, that is right, Joe. The Rooney Rule was established when Dan Rooney was the head of the league's diversity committee, which famously, at the time, the the statistics had shown that black head coaches or minority head coaches actually had a higher winning percentage than white head coaches, but they weren't being hired. And so the Rooney rule required that 
black head coaches be interviewed for every position, even if they weren't going to be hard or minority. I'm not exactly sure what the exact wording of the rule is, but the end result is the number of minority head coaches in the league shot way up, and some of those minority head coaches, like Mike Tomlin, are fucking good. Yeah, no, and I remember when it happened, when the Rooney rule was put into effect, a lot of mostly white fans were saying, like, this is bullshit, like, it's not going to even do anything because teams are just going to give a courtesy interview and then, you know, move on to the person that they want to hire. This is like, you know, affirmative action, whatever, bullshit. Okay. Um, And, of course, it's proven to be totally effective because, A, sometimes they interview these people and then, like, even if it wasn't someone that they expected to hire, they are convinced in the room or even if it doesn't lead to that job being filled, it elevates that coordinator's status because they're in the conversation as someone who's being thought of, so they get hired for the next job or the next job. And it's actually been remarkably successful. Yeah. Well, Joe, as it's very obvious to myself as a white person, we really have it easy. And I think any white people who complain about this are fucking assholes. And yeah, you there's know, a lot of assholes out there. Yeah. There's... I mean, what what needs to be said? I It's not even worth talking about anything but looking at the statistics, and the statistics are very clear that these minority head coaches weren't being hired, and now they are, and these minority head coaches are fucking, are very, very good in the league. I mean, we've talked about many of them, and including, you know, the one we're talking about today, Mike Tomlin, who's one of the most successful head coaches in the NFL and has been for a long time. Anyways, to just finish off the the book on Dan Rooney, who passed away. There's not much about Art Rooney, so whatever, but Dan Rooney, incidentally, you'd think one of his, like, cousins or whatever actually is a congressperson who's a Republican, but Dan Rooney donated a bunch of money to to Democrats, in particular Obama, and Obama, as a good man, appointed him to be the ambassador of Ireland. So Dan Rooney was the ambassador of Ireland for four years. And in those days, in the Obama days, being the ambassador to our allies was actually an easy job because Obama wasn't insulting them publicly. (laughs) And so that's where the thing said that he was a statesman. Yeah. So Dan Rooney, you know, like historic in the league, created the Rooney rule. Big fan of Obama. Ambassador to Ireland, deceased, but memory not forgotten. Yeah, no, I like the Rooney uh, family. And I will say, I mean, we already talked about the fact that of the Mara sisters, Rooney Mara is my second favorite. So, yeah, you know, that might be a knock against them. No, but 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 seriously, I um, I have a friend who is a Steeler fan and his son, who is um, my daughter's age. He named his son Rooney. So, like, wow. if you think about how fans interact with a an owner, to have someone who's a fan of the team and loves the owner so much he's naming his son after this person, like, is pretty incredible. So, yeah, I mean, this is, like, has to be one of the highest scores in terms of, of owners. Let's say eight and a half out of ten. Eight and a half out of ten. You know, Joe, I'd love to name my kid dan jr after me but since it's the same name as dan snyder i can't do it it's it's off well, the no, table I mean, he went with the last name so you can name it snyder snyder birkin mm. it's pretty it's a pretty jewish name though 
The point is I wouldn't name it after oh, Dan right, Snyder. Right, right, right. Well, I'll go to Megan and tell her, Snyder's off the list. <laughs> Don't consider it. <laughs> For the forthcoming pregnancy, which is not anytime soon. Anyways. Number nine, rate the uniform and the logo. Wow, Steelers. What could this name possibly be named after? Well, the Pittsburgh football team shared the same name as the baseball team, the Pirates, from 1933 to 1940. Before the 1940 season, the owner, Art Rooney, the not Art Rooney II, who's actually the current owner of the team, who's, who was um, Dan Rooney's son, held a rename the team contest. I like that. Man, that's a fun concept. I guess they did that with Washington, though, and we came up with the Wizards, which is shitty, but more teams need to do that when their their logos suck. So he said a change couldn't hurt. They had missed the, the postseason in the first seven years. So Joe Santoni, who worked in a steel mill in Pittsburgh, was one of several fans who suggested the Steelers. And Art Rooney loved it, named the team the Steelers, and gave... Mr. Joe Santoni, a pair of season tickets, which he would renew every year until his death, 63 years later, until 2003. So, boom. I mean, frankly, if you name the team, you really got to, you're pretty invested in it, so you got to go to the game. So, there you go. They're the Steelers. Uh, You know, it couldn't be a more fitting name for the uh for the city i mean you you can talk about the the jersey and all of that so what do you think joe yeah i mean look i think the jerseys are great i like black and gold as colors i think that the logo is simple once again we're talking about a logo that like has withstood the test of time i think as hold on i I don't think it's black and gold it's black and yellow you're right it is more yellow than gold okay this isn't like yeah. a brown situation. I think it's black and yellow. No, you're right. There's a distinction. It's black and yellow. Black and yellow. You're right. So a no, Steeler. Wait, Wikipedia says it's black and gold, though. Oh, God damn it. God. You ain't convinced me this time. <laughs> um, well, I don't even know. This Wikipedia page is hard to. It says the culture I... is black and yellow, but it says the colors are black and gold. I literally just edited the Wikipedia page, Dan, while we're talking. <laughs> just to fuck with you. You bastard. <laughs> well, I don't know who's fucking with who, Joe. <laughs> the Steeler, as a, like, okay, so, you know, once again, we're, t- we're now, as a person, it's like a Packer, historical badass, good, good union people. Here's the thing. I have to imagine. I don't know what, uh, what a Steeler does exactly. But I have to imagine it's a pretty like rough job. It's not like a, it's like a tough job. Like I think there's smelting involved, <laughs> right? I, I mean, think s- smelting I think seems smelting hard. Smelting is melting metal. Yeah, I mean, look, if you take a normal adjective and put an s in front of it, it makes it sound tougher. So <laughs> it's like it's like melting, but it's smelting. It's it's like, whew, man. Yeah. Well, steel is like a combination of iron and other things. So I don't know how steel is made. I mean, certainly. Very high yeah. heat is part of it. Some ingredients are, are part of it. It's like a whole process. Like metallurgy is a thing. You know, they used to, there's like versions of steel that was made in the past. You know, those like the Japanese or whatever, they can't even make again. Yeah. No, once again, I mean, smelting, it's tough. And you know, when they build bridges, like sometimes the bridge collapses and they're like, oh, that was Chinese steel. That wasn't Pittsburgh steel. You know, that's the good steel. That's the steel that doesn't break. 
Yeah, I mean, you want Pittsburgh Steel in your buildings. It's a tough job. It's a historical bat. I mean, I think we could get into a good debate about who would win in a fight, a Packer or a Steeler, but I think that's a debate for a different time. Wait, what does the Packer uh, do? I forgot. He kills kills animals, kills pigs and cows. Oh, yeah. Versus like butchers, Steeler, but... the person in the Steel Mill, because I think the Viking clearly won. I mean, in my Viking Buccaneer argument, because of the saying that the Viking lived in pretty harsh conditions. Now, I could the Viking obviously lived in really cold conditions. The Steeler lives in really hot condition. I mean, that's those factories are hot. These are huge furnaces, you know. So they're they're sweltering. And I think the Packer, you know, they're in a, they're in an air conditioned room. You know, the cool room to keep the meat cool. Right, but in ah. a fight though, in a fight, let me just play this out. The Packer knows how to kill, like efficiently. Well, the, super the Packer knows how to dismember. Doesn't know how to kill. No, 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 no. They kill. They kill. That's what. That's what the euphemism like packing means or processing. They kill the animal physically. Well, I mean, they don't like emotionally kill. It. They don't like. They don't talk it. <laughs> they don't like psychologically fuck with it till it kills itself. I mean, doesn't a machine kill it? They're killing it. They're like chopping its head off or something. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. They probably like, but I mean that that's that's a, a very philosophical point. Like, who's doing the killing, the machine or the person who like pushes the button on the machine? Joe, is this a very a liberal America conversation about us talking about two professions we know nothing about? I know about packing. Look, look, you they they kill the animal. I don't think so. I mean, I'm I'm putting my money on the Steeler. I feel like those guys are pretty buff. I mean, the Packer obviously has one of those butcher knives, but you take that butcher knife away, what do they got? Nothing. I think the Packer is ruthless, more ruthless than the Steeler. I put my money on the Packer. I mean, the Packer will know like the weak spots of the like anatomy, but yep, yep. The Steeler's tough. All right, well let's let's hold off on making this the official fan poll, but it might be, it might be. I disagree. <laughs> well, we're, we're running out of time, Joe, for the rest of it. What do you think? Rate the uniform and the logo. Eight and a half out of ten. Jesus Christ, you are loving the Steelers, Joe. Number 10, do they play a style of play you'd enjoy watching? I mean, you've seen the Steelers play a ton. It's uh, screen passes to Antonio Brown, uh, deep passes to Antonio Brown, slant passes to Antonio Brown, and then running Le'Veon Bell from time to time, and Ben Roethlisberger running around, people trying to tackle him, him shedding them off because he's bigger than them, and it's very exciting. And you know what Steelers' defense is about. So, I mean, just to give the DVOA of last year, they had the 8th best offense, the 11th best defense, which, in combination, actually made them the 3rd best team via DVOA because they're very one of, one of the few teams that's, like, really good on defense. I mean, really good might be an overstatement, but they're good on defense, they're good enough. They're just good at everything. They're just a team that, um, you know, if you're a fan of the Steelers, you're going to the playoffs, like, every year. You know, what, what can you say? The last three years, 11 and 5, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. They're a fun team. Yeah, they are a fun team. And they're a fun team built around Antonio Brown, which is always exciting. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that they're good. I think that that is a fun style of play. Let's say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Surprise it's not higher. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're doing so well. Number 11, what's interesting about this fan base? So, again, I did no research other than what I know. But here's what I know, Joe. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers fans fucking travel. So everywhere they go is like a partial home game. They've got those stupid, terrible towels that everybody loves. They've got their chants about all the the various players they like. And, um, you know, they all love Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) for whatever reason. But, yeah, I mean... What what can you say about Pittsburgh? What what team travels more than them? Other than maybe, I mean, if you're talking about the national teams, there's the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Steelers. I mean, is anybody else even close right. to either of those three teams? No, I don't think so. So, the terrible towel thing. Okay, I mean, here's what's funny about the terrible towel thing. It's such a weird combination of an intimidating word and then like a not intimidating thing. <laughs> Right, like, so I was thinking, like, it's like the it's like the pernicious pillowcases. Yeah, <laughs> like towels aren't scary, and then you call it a terrible towel. It's like, is it intentionally ironic, or is it is it just, I don't know. It is funny because you know it's like Seattle. You know they optimize the stadium so like all the noise would get funneled down, which actually makes a difference. And in Pittsburgh, they're like, let's have everybody wave the same color. That'll distract the other team, or you know. But it kind of gets people excited, I think. Like, it's like a weird, uh, like, it, like, it, look, it, gets it the caught fans on. Excited. I mean, the terrible towel has existed since before you and I were born. Look, I'm, I'm supportive of uh, the fans. The vicious, the vicious vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make it scary because you put the word terrible in front of it. I'm not a fan. I'm not a Steelers fan. I do generally root against them, but I, I can't diminish the fact that they have quite a, a fan culture, and they have a thing. I'll give them that. Carnivorous coffee tables. That's my last one. Okay. Um, but that doesn't make any sense. Neither does a terrible towel. Okay. They totally travel well. I mean, I remember going to Charger games when they were playing the Steelers. And, I mean, the Chargers had – were – I mean – the Chargers fans didn't travel well to their own stadium. So that was its own problem. But, like, it was filled with Steeler fans. Just um, just wait until they're in L.A. See who travels there. <laughs> it's a great fan culture. I, I do, I will say, like, of the teams that I predict, and, and obviously as people listen to this, it will have already happened, I'm nervous about posting this in the Steelers' Reddit fan page. I can just picture Steeling fans being like, go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. But we'll see. That's the thing. It's like they're not, I'd imagine, it's like Texans fans, they want you on the bandwagon. Vikings fans, they want you on the bandwagon. Steelers fans are like, eh, fuck you. But even Green Bay fans who have a national following, similar to the Steelers, were super welcoming. And I was never nervous about posting in the Green Bay form. I never felt like Green Bay was going to shun me. I have a sense. Let's look at the state. They're very nice. Very Midwestern nice. I mean, Pittsburgh. Look, are you kidding me? Philadelphia was the meanest fans that there are. Well, that's what I'm saying. Same I'm state. saying, well, uh, exactly. I'm saying Wisconsin, nice people. Yeah, oh, Pencil- I see what you're saying. Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. you. Know, I hear you. All bets are off. Yeah. And these are r- rough, rugged people, you know, working in the steel mills. Working the steel mills by day, post on Reddit by night. You fight a packer at the local bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good fan culture, distinctive fan culture, 8 out of 10. Yeah, it is distinctive. You got to give it that. Joe, number 12, closing out this doubleheader, where we've really spent at most 20 or 30% of the time talking about football. This is incredible. This is, this is a doubleheader for the record books. 
as we close out the 14th out of the 15th best teams in the NFL by winning percentage. What do you think about the drink? Well, unlike the uh, disgusting Colt 45 drink, I finished this whole drink. Um, you know, a white Russian uh, is not the ideal drink for like 90 degree weather like we're having right now. I would say that like it, I wasn't necessarily in the mood for a milky drink. 90 degrees in Seattle is pretty, it's pretty hot. Oh, it's like 80. It's not really 90, but it's fucking hot. Let me tell you about White Russians real quick. Let me tell you a quick story. Because we're running short. You know, we're only over an hour right now. Uh, so when I was in college... <laughs> Need more filler, Joe. When I was in college, I had this local bar that I would go to. And the first time I went, I got a White Russian because we were in like a big Lebowski kick, whatever. And this was like a local Puerto Rican bar uh, that didn't get much of like the college kids in there. And they were so happy to have us that they like charged us very little. So we went back there, I mean, literally every night in our senior year of college. And I got a white Russian the first time I was there. And my buddy Damon got what the bartender called a big guy and a little guy, which was a Coors Light and a shot of tequila. Okay. So we went back there and Hector, the bartender, was like, do you want the usual? And we were so excited to be at a bar where we had a usual and he charged us so little for these drinks that we just kept saying yes. But then, like, we spent a whole year doing this. So, like, I didn't want white Russians every night. It's, like, disgusting. And if you have more than one or two in a night, like, you feel sick. And yeah. you're, like, it's, like, milky and heavy. And poor Damon. Damon was like, <laughs> I'd be like, Damon, let's go to Dos Amigos. He'd be like, I can't. I have a final tomorrow. And I'd be like, well, just, just have one drink. He'd be like, well, I can't. One drink is a shot for me. So... Um, I, I mean, there's no lesson to that. We just we never corrected Hector. We never so said wait, like, when actually Damon we want says, to change our favorite. I want the usual, and that he gets the big guy and the little guy, and he of course drinks a shot of tequila and then sips on the beer. When he goes back and says, "Can I have one more?" Does he get another big guy and a little guy, or does he just get yeah, one more? Beer? That was it. The usual That's was it. always a it's big guy just, and a little guy. Yeah. And the usual for me was always a disgusting white Russian. Now and, that's an interesting poll question. I'm not actually sure which is worse there. Because, yeah, what would you want your, okay. what's your okay, optimal usual? Which would you rather, which would you, okay, which would be worse to have to drink every time you went to a bar? A white Russian or a big guy and a little guy? I mean, I'd rather have the white Russian, but it's true that the white Russian in some, would really get old fast. And at least you I mean, can pound a shot of tequila and you can sip the beer. As someone who had the white Russian, I definitely would have picked the big guy and a little guy, but maybe, maybe that's yeah. my own bias. Maybe Damon would have traded. Okay, that's the poll question. But now, Joe, it. you can have any usual you want. What Right now, I guess your usual is just some bourbon. What, what would you want your usual to be? Yeah, I mean, that's easy now. I mean, I think that that a nice shot of Makers, just, just Makers Neat, is the easiest usual because Makers is simple. It tastes good. It's very drinkable. It's not top shelf, so you're not paying a bunch of money. And it's just like... You can you can shoot it if you want, but more likely you can just sit there and sip it and enjoy yourself. You know, when I Super Fan Tony visited me, he has an annual conference in San Francisco. When he came to my house, my bottle of Makers, my one point seven five liter bottle of Makers was about I don't know eighty percent full, and when I left, it was completely empty, all because nice. of Super Fan Tony. That man. That's, That's a fun a, weekend. He can drink some makers. No, it's Tony's just is a. Well, I mean, look, Cincinnati is right over the border from Kentucky. I get it. Yeah. 
The man it's loves like, his makers. It's like, it's like water over there. It comes out of the faucet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, he drank it like that. When I was in man, Kentucky. Super fan Tony. When I was in Kentucky, they had um, this makers that it was – it was made by Maker's Mark, but it was – okay, so this guy was telling me, the a bartender, that Maker's, they have um, – they're all about consistency. They want every bottle of Maker's to taste exactly the same. So they actually don't do a lot of like variants in their batches. But then if they have a batch that is like slightly different, they'll make like a very like select version of it. And he said that they actually had one that – you know, that like a lot of them are only available in Kentucky. So it was great. It was very good. Oh, there you go. So you went yeah. from Cincinnati to Kentucky. Yes, I did. Yeah. See, that's a big plus in the Cincinnati. I mean, I think that's one thing that could be considered. Like, I don't know what cities Pittsburgh is near, but it's like when I'm planning road trips, I want you want to bang off a number of states all at the same time. So if you can go to Cincinnati and then also visit Kentucky, somewhere in Kentucky, like that's nice. That's a positive. Yeah. I mean, we equally could have been drinking makers for the Cincinnati episode because it's so close to Kentucky. All right. Um, this drink though, great drink. The Galliano on top of the white Russian didn't really impact it that much. Galliano is a little bit of like a black licorice fl- flavor of the course. So it actually added like a little bit of um, depth to the no, white that's Russian. That's like, what's that other drink that we used to always drink? Zambuca. When we went to, va- oh, Zambuca. Is it like yeah. that? Oh, yes. you love Zambuca. It, I do love Zambuca. And it actually added, like I said, a lot of depth. Had I known it tasted like Zambuca, I just would have poured some Zambuca in it. But um, but it wouldn't have gotten the yellow tinge. Um, no, I think uh, this drink is a eight, 8 out of 10. Very good. 8 out of 10. Oh, my God, Joe. Brings me back to my days at Dose with my usual. Joe, I don't know if there's some ratings inflation going on here on the second half of this doubleheader but the previous high score of any team was 82 which was Uh-oh. the atlanta falcons the pittsburgh steelers clocking in at 87 and a half they have Damn. blown no, look- away the the highest scoring team by five and a half that's I- I'm just calling, incredible i'm just calling balls and strikes dan yes god and that's with an absolute zero for the uh, the the is the the you know, the crime section. It's a well earned zero too. Every other score, the lowest score outside of that is six, a ten, three eight and a halfs, a bunch of eights, a nine. Wow, Joe. I mean, they're the highest team thus far. What what what's there even to debate? Dan, they're moving on. Much like the U.S. steel industry, they are destined for great things. Bringing steel back, baby. It's going to be everybody in this country is going to be either a coal miner or a steel worker. And goddamn, <laughs> we're going to enjoy it. All right. Wow. So the Colts, not even close. The Steelers blowing away the competition. They're absolutely moving Damn. on. Could be the number one seed. What a great doubleheader. Every minute what's, of this podcast. Pure what's gold. The poll, what's the poll question? Okay. The poll question is, which would be a worse usual to have to drink every night at a bar? Every time oh. you went to a bar. Is it a white Russian or a big guy and a little guy? White Russian or shot of tequila plus Coors Light. Big 
guy. So, well, Dan is typing that in. To vote on our poll, you have to be a super fan. If you want to be a super fan, email in a question to Joe Picks at, wait, no, to NFL at JoePicksPod.com. <laughs> Stay in your lane, Joe. Or go back and listen to our back catalog and you'll find out how to get to our super secret lounge. If you're a super fan, you know how to do it. Go vote on the poll. Send us an email. Uh, feedback on these episodes or to talk about our two next teams, which, Dan, what are they? I have to put them in the uh, random.org right now. My favorite part of the episode. Oh, oh my God, Joe. Here we go. Do, 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 it's the do. dregs. Our next two teams will be the Tennessee Titans wow. and the Buffalo Bills. The Music uh, City Miracle game. Oh, oh my Rehashed. God, Joe. Wow. That's exciting. That's exciting. I don't know if they're the dregs. I mean, we we already we've covered the Titans earlier today. We know they have equal odds to win their division as every other team. So, so, so I know. Hold on, hold on. Let me just say this. I know we have some Houston fans who have some feedback on the Tennessee Titans. Oh, that's true. That's true. If any Houston fan has listened to this episode for the last unknown how long it will be after editing. Please send feedback about the Titans or the Bills to NFL at JoePixPod.com. Or if you're a special VIP member, go to the Secret Lounge and use the special VIP email address. And we will be very excited for your feedback. You know, we had a, a little weak episode this week with only two emails. We'd hope to get a little more than that uh, for next time. So, you know, come on, guys. You can do better. And we need some fodder for Packer Corner. Yeah, somebody somebody sent us something about the Packers. All right. Dan. Joe. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe we banged out two more episodes. I know. It's it just it, it it's like sand through our fingers. It's going by so fast. <laughs>